0: Do anything to see it through because
1: these things will change. Welcome Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. It is a Thursday edition of the show where we will talk further about the box playoff matchup. That's right, playoffs the postseason their game against the Dallas Cowboys, where the Bucks are hosting on Monday night. Now, these two teams have played each other before, but it was a long, long, long time ago in week one, and a lot of things have changed since then. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, a little bit about uh, what we saw and heard from the Bucks facility over the last two days, and uh, get into a lot of the injuries and conversation there as well. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me is my colleague from pewterreport.com, Adam Slavon. Adam, I think you only have a couple more days before uh, you're going back to UT for the next semester uh, at school. Yep. How you doing? And um, you ready for this playoff game?
0: I am. I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be on today. We have a lot to talk about regarding the Bucks, And as you mentioned, what we've seen in the past two days uh, in, in the open locker room at the press conferences. And just overall, like talking about... The Bucks matchup now versus week one.
1: Yeah, a whole lot of differences. And we can talk about a, a couple different things in, in other areas. But I think a, a, what a lot of the fans want to know right away. And, you know, the injury report will come out at some point during the show. It typically does. I also want to say what up to everybody in the chats. Les says, go Bucks." Common Sense says, sup people. And Nathan, hello to you, Matt, and hello, Adam. So what's up, everybody? Tom in there with the Go Bucks. Harvinder getting right into it as well, mm-hmm. saying hopefully Byron doesn't stick rigidly to a prepared play script and they go after the Dallas weaknesses like their corners. The defense have to go after the Dallas O-line uh, with injury. So Harbender already bringing that insight two minutes into the show. But Adam, you and I were at practice uh, today we were at the facility yesterday as well, but yesterday was um, yesterday was more just talking to assistant coaches and, and players as well. The good news at practice today, and like I said, we'll get the injury report in a little bit, was for the most part, almost entirely, the Bucks pretty much had a clean bill of health at practice today. So, um, Donovan Smith was participating, Robert Hainsey was participating. Ryan Jensen, the one that everybody wants to talk about. Ryan Jensen was practicing as well. Carlton Davis was out there. That was a good sign because he's missed not just last week, but the past couple of weeks. We saw Russell Gage. We saw Julio Jones. Vita Veya came out a little bit later. He had, I would call it like a wrap on his, I believe his right calf. Uh, But Vita Veya was out there. Is there anybody in
0: No, I think you hit them all. Yeah everyone was out there pretty much. It was a good sign. Yeah,
1: and yeah, that's obviously a, a huge sign moving forward cuz that's been kind of one of the the big storylines at, at the moment is that the bucks weren't totally 100% healthy for I mean, a majority of the season but especially um as of late. So I'll ask you Adam, out of all the players injured that are looks like will be coming back this week, in your opinion, who provides the biggest boost, the biggest upgrade to Uh, Tampa Bay trying to defeat the Cowboys on Monday?
0: That's a great question. I feel like you could go a few different ways. In my opinion, I would say Carlton Davis would be the biggest return to practice that we've seen this week. Now, he had a great game. We uh, talked about it on the Pewter Report podcast yesterday. He had a great game against Jamar Chase and and the Bengals. He had four pass deflections, the interception, and getting him back against CeeDee Lamb, now, C.D. Lamb in week one, he had a really quiet game against the Bucs. He had two catches for 29 yards. Hopefully we see that on uh, Monday night, uh, yeah. a repeat performance of that, because C.D. Lamb, he's been electric the past few weeks. He's put up over 1,300 receiving yards this year. So having a shutdown corner like Davis and maybe mixing in uh, some Dean as well, that'll be huge in stopping the Cowboys, because they have a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball, not just C.D. Lamb but also Tony Pollard. Uh, Coach Todd Bowles spoke a lot and spoke very highly of uh, Tony Pollard today.
1: Yes, he did. And I think you have a great answer picking Carlton Davis. This isn't like a draft. I could pick Carlton Davis as well. And I probably would. Um, And and I think it's really important. And Todd Bowles has asked about this today. You can check it out on our Twitter. Um, But he was asked about how do you balance or how do you determine – having a corner shadow essentially the other team's top wide receiver versus strictly playing one corner on the left side and one corner on the right. I think a great example historically for just football fans in general, uh, Bucks fans who know this guy as well. But, for example, both these guys for the Bucks separate times, but briefly. Darrell Revis, who could go into the Hall of Fame, hopefully, with Nade Barber this season. Yeah. Darrell Revis was a corner that just shadowed everybody left and right did not matter if they it didn't matter where the top wide receiver lined up Darrell Reeves would cover that guy and most of the time put him on Revis Island now Richard Sherman who Reeves and Sherman were kind of like the top two corners in their heyday and those were the guys that everyone you know pretty much compared together Richard Sherman predominantly played on one side of the field i believe it was the right side of the field um, if I'm not mistaken, his left. But if you're on offense, you're looking, he's on the right side. Yeah, And, you know, some people prefer that, to play on one side. They feel more comfortable because if you're shadowing all over the field, you're going, you know, you're looking over your right shoulder. Then you're looking over your left shoulder. It's it's a little bit different. At the end of the day, you still have to cover the wide receiver in front of you. But it's definitely slightly different than uh, just knowing that you're going to be on side. So, to see how the Bucks will go about that and I think if to anyone that watched our show yesterday we had Rick Zois on um football insider uh great friends with Scott Reynolds as well but he grew up a Cowboys fan watches them intently and you know Scott and Rick we're both talking about that it's one thing to just have a corner shadow the other team's top wide receiver it's another when you have to factor in the other corner on the other side or bring in another corner. Like if they line up in the slot, what do you do there? Do you just keep Jamel Dean on one side? Do you put Sean Murphy bunting in as well? Like, how do you go about that? So I think that's really important. Uh, My answer for most important, who could provide the most boost I would say, and he returned two weeks ago. So it's not anything crazy out of the blue, but I think when it comes to playing against the Cowboys, Defensively, And I still do believe that if the Bucs are going to make a run at this, it's going to be defensive driven with oh, some Tom sure. Brady magic uh, sprinkled in there. I think the combo of Vita Veya and Akeem Hicks, and we don't know exactly how healthy is Vita was able to play uh, in the NFC clinching game against the Panthers. But I think having Vita Veya in there, let's remember, he led the Bucks in sacks this season. And the Bucs have been getting sacks, sacks all over the place because. Yeah, 44 um, I think they on the were, season. Yeah, I believe they were in the top 10. They missed Shaq Barrett since the Thursday night game. And let's be honest, Shaq Barrett wasn't totally, you know, lighting up the field when he was in the game. But Vita and Akeem Hicks together, stopping that run, I think is ultimately the most important thing for the Bucks defense. Uh, because if Dallas gets going with that run game, whether it's Zeke, whether it's Tony Pollard, it doesn't really matter who's going to be covering a CD lamb. It doesn't matter if they're going to get that pressure on Dak Prescott. It does matter a little bit, of course, but we've seen at times when teams run ragged on the bucks, it's a terrible, terrible outcome for Tampa Bay. then you look at other games, the 49ers game. Absolutely. But then on the flip side, you look at the way that the bucks were able to stop the Seahawks in Germany, and maybe they got a little assist from, the, the, the field being a slip and slide out there. Mike Evans was very passionate about that yesterday talking about it. Or you look at how they stopped the Panthers. Look at both Panthers games. Look how the Panthers were able to run over and over and over when the Bucs lost to them in Carolina. And the way that they were able to stop the run that final week of the season. To me, I really think if you stop the Cowboys run, you have a great, great, much, much better chance of winning this game against Dallas.
0: That's a great point. And I was looking up uh, Tony Powered's statistics just to kind of demonstrate how efficient he's been, like in a one two punch with Zeke, who's still dominant. Still, yes, the same old Zeke that we know since he's entered the league. Tony Powered has over a thousand rushing yards on under 200 carries this season. By metrics, he's he ranks as the third most efficient running back by pro football focus. He's an electric player. So, to your point, having a guys like Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks up the middle to kind of stop th- them from running. And especially with the Dallas offensive line that they have two bookend tackles in both the Smiths. Smith playing on the right side now. Uh Tyron Smith, who's had a really great career, Zach Martin. They're supposed yeah. to get their center back this week. That's right. So just stopping the run. Yeah. It's a great point having Vea and Hicks back.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so that's actually one of the big changes we can get into right now. We'll, we'll go back to the Bucks personnel and, and what changes the, the Bucks have really had. Uh, but one of them is the fact that their offensive tackle is moving over to right tackle because their other left tackle is able to um, start in this game. That was a big difference because the Bucs were able to get to Dak Prescott in the first one. If you remember, Vita Vea actually injured Dak Prescott in that game. It was later in the game because – I. Yeah, I saw some people like more national uh you know pundits or talking heads as they say being like, "Well, Dak Prescott got injured in that game." Dak got injured late in the game when the score, I believe, if it wasn't already 19 to 3, it was definitely a one position game off Yeah. So, I don't want to hear, "Oh, Dak wasn't in the game, that's why that's why the the Bucks beat the Cowboys." That game was dominated defensively by the buccaneers and the Bucs were able to score uh with Mike Evans uh later in that game. So I don't really want to hear you know that that uh that if Dak Prescott got a little bit more time. There you see Cooper Rush on that play. He he got in uh later in that one, but having a healthier offensive line I think is one of the biggest factors for the uh, for Dallas in this game and you add on top of that the fact that shaq barrett won't be in this game and i understand as i mentioned before that he kind of struggled the season before he got hurt but you don't have your de facto best pass rusher in this game with shaq barrett now they have anthony nelson and anthony nelson has played great down the stretch but if you ask josh capo of PeterReport.com, he will say that um the stats aren't really telling everything uh josh capo has said that the overall pressure rates, the percentage that Anthony Nelson has been getting are kind of down, but he's been making the most when he does get to the quarterback because he is getting those sacks and he is, you know, taking the football away. He leads the team in forced fumbles this season. So obviously they're going to need Anthony Nelson to uh, step up, but um, how do you see that matchup playing out?
0: Yeah. Uh, Talking about Anthony Nelson, and we mentioned Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks as well. I think another guy that we need to really keep an eye on in this game is Devin White and the ability that he has in uh, rushing the passer. In that game, in the Dallas game, Nelson and Vea had sacks, but Devin White had too. He nice. matched uh, Micah Parsons on the other side and getting two sacks that game. The way that the Bucks schemed uh, Devin White up in that game was really good because they disguised him behind Levante David on like some blitz packages. So I definitely think that Devin white can have a huge impact on this game as well.
1: Yeah. I, I love that answer, Adam, especially because I feel like Devin strictly as a guy getting after the quarterback, getting those sacks, he was way better at the beginning of the season. And I'm not saying that I don't think Devin's play has tailed off. He obviously went through the rough patch, you know, um, yes. the, The Baltimore game, but um, Devin has been so much more controlled in the latter half of the season, but it's been better for the Bucks defense. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love the high flying Devin white, you know, and, and he brings a lot of good things in that game or to, to the defense in any game really. But Devin flying around getting sacks, but then later on missing this assignment, missing that assignment, letting the team get back in the game. That doesn't do anybody any favors. And Devin, to your point, I think was really successful. Whether it's blitzing up the middle or the uh, the delayed blitz, when you yeah. let the play go after a little bit and then he uses his advantage, his speed to get after the quarterback after the blocking assignments have already already gotten through. So I think that's really important to notice. You know, Devin, I believe was second on the team in sacks behind yep. Vita Vea. So that's something really important to watch. We have a super chat from Les Evans, and you know. If, uh, if you super chat us, one, we really appreciate it. But two, you cut the line. We make sure you we answer your question as soon as possible. Or statement. It could just be a statement. And uh, Les, again, thank you, Les, for the $10 super chat. says, Blaine and Devin Tompkins just missed on an end zone pass last week. Do you think Brady and Tompkins will connect for a touchdown against the Cowboys? It's a good question. I think Devin Tompkins will be utilized in the Bucks' offense. Let's remember, last week, Tompkins started that game. He started for the Bucs. Um, I think, you know, they like using the, the end around with him. He's had some success in that. I believe he had a 17-yard run yeah. against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, scoring a touchdown, I don't – in the red zone as well, I don't totally – that. you have to remember, Devin Tompkins is still – what. Maybe sixth on the depth chart, you have, uh, again, I don't want to say the core four because they haven't really lived up to that hype, but you have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin, then it's going to be some type of iteration of Russell Gage and Julio Jones, however the Bucs decided it doesn't really make a huge difference uh, in terms of who's three and who's four. They're both going to be used. So that leaves Devin Tompkins at the earliest, Adam, at the earliest as the fifth wide receiver. Can I see him scoring a touchdown? I do, and it would essentially be in the Scotty Miller role where you yeah. going to take a deep shot down the field. Devin Tompkins is open and makes the play. I think just by watching, I mean, Devin Tompkins, as far as a wide receiver, and there's a very small sample size compared to Scotty Miller, even in this season. You know, Scotty got some opportunities earlier this year. I mean, Devin Tompkins balled out. Uh, I mean, the stats don't really show it. He, he only had like 25 receiving yards, but they were a hard fought 25 receiving yards. There were a lot of broken tackles. And then you add on the big rush that he had. So to answer the question and Adam, I'd love to get your thoughts. I don't see them really scoring a touchdown unless it's a big deep shot down the field. And it's not necessarily Tompkins fault. It's just look at all the guys that are in front of him. They're going to get the majority of the playing time.
0: Yeah, I agree with your point. And it all depends on how creative the Bucks get on offense. As you mentioned with like the end of round plays, the deep shots. But even if let's say Diggs is matched up against Evans, uh, Godwin's covered by Deron Bland. We can get yep. into him. He's had a really yes. good rookie season. Somebody the Bucks haven't faced yet. So if that that presents an opportunity for a guy like Julio Jones, Russell Gage, or even Devin Tompkins, if they bring him in, get him towards like in the red zone, let him use his speed and just fly down the field and maybe score. So it's a great, it's a great question. I really like Devin Tompkins and what he brings to the Bucs offense. Will we see it? Will we see a rookie step up in the playoffs? Maybe, but leave the door open for sure.
1: Every team, every team that goes on a Super Bowl run needs that guy to be the standout yeah. player, the uh, the breakout player. We actually had a discussion about that on Monday's show. But I think the the two people you really point to back when the Bucs won in 2020. On defense, it was Sean Murphy bunting, the interceptions in three out of the four games, and he have three games in a row with an interception. On offense, it was Leonard Fournette. He became the number one guy. Part of that was because Ronald Jones uh, wasn't healthy for all of it, but Leonard Fournette was the breakout guy. Devin Tompkins, I think, would be a solid candidate. He wouldn't be my first overall pick. Um, but I I think you could make a case for him, and there could be that conversation. When it comes to energy drinks, my number one pick is always going to be Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Celsius has a variety of flavors. You see some on the screen right there, the Arctic Tropical and Peach Vibe. Uh, You can also go with the Cucumber Lime. Adam is a big fan of the Cola flavor, if I'm not mistaken. Adam, you're also drinking a Celsius right now when we get back to the screen of you and I if you could uh, put that on the screen for us. But uh, a variety of different flavors, seven essential vitamins, and no uh, no sugar or preservatives. It's the healthy version of an energy drink. You don't get that post-energy drink crash later on after you know you complete your workout or, or whatever it is that you're doing that makes you want to have a Celsius energy drink. Um, it's also a great substitute for coffee. You've heard Scott Reynolds talked about this. Scott has also mentioned that Blaine Gabbard has uh, made this substitute as well. Great way to start the morning, obviously, with all the different flavors like you see on the screen there. You can also find out where to get a Celsius energy drink by going to the store locator on Celsius.com, punching in your address, and it will let you know where you can get a Celsius at your local Walmart, Target, Bodega, a convenience store, and everywhere else, and then, when you know you love Celsius and you want to buy it in bulk, I'd recommend getting the variety pack so you can try as many different flavors as possible. You can go over to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save, and you'll have it sent to your house or apartment whenever you want. If you want to do it weekly, monthly, uh, you know, once a quarter, whatever it is, just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. The official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. That's Celsius. Celsius hashtag live fit hashtag Celsius energy. We. Love Celsius. And you are we rocking. Do. What, what got are you the drinking cola. There? Got got You got the cola today. flavor. There you yep. go. Right on cue. You got Shout the out, cola uh, flavor.
0: The lemon lime one that just came out. Yes. That one's really yeah. good. Yeah.
1: Just had a new one very recently. Um, Yeah. Very, very cool to see. They're always coming up with new flavors as well, which is uh really awesome to see. Now, Adam, you pointed out a great stat the other day. and You just mentioned him before. So I think this is important. Talk about both sides for the Bucs and the Cowboys. Well, we'll start with the Cowboys and then get to the Bucs because we're a little more familiar with the Bucs than the Cowboys, I would say. Um, but the rookies, obviously, when you play in week one, you don't totally know how those rookies are going to look at the end of the year. I mean, for example, Luke Geddecky started that game. Luke is not going to be starting this one, barring any unforeseen circumstances. Um, so obviously, one of the one of the rookies that have really stood out for the Dallas Cowboys, is their cornerback, Deron Blant. And he's a player, he leads Dallas in interceptions. You pointed that stat out the other day, credit to you. And part of the reason that he's in there is because the Cowboys suffered other injuries to that position. But he's made the most of his opportunity when getting in there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, So we didn't see him in the the season opener, uh, whether that was injury or just not playing. I would say it was not playing as he was a fifth round pick, but he's really stepped on the scene. His first career game came against the Washington commanders in early October and he had an interception and he's been a playmaker for him much like Trayvon Diggs. That's something that the bucks need to account for is having two corners with great ball skills and something the bucks haven't really seen since the Seahawks game. It's Rick Wollen having that playmaker on defense and just like the element that that brings. And I would say on both sides of the ball, Not just bland, but for the Bucks having rookies. We mentioned Tompkins, Rashad White, Kate Otten. These are guys that didn't play much. Kate Otten had three tackles but no catches in the season opener. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that 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 was funny. Just like growing as the season goes along and having more of an impact, I think is crucial.
1: Oh, without question, and that yeah, that is a hilarious stat that he had more. Excuse me, that he had more tackles um, than receptions in that game, and I think even. I'm not going to say more importantly, but I would say at this point, Rashad White is a little bit more instrumental to the Bucks' offense than maybe Kate Otten is. I, I've called Kate Otten Mr. Second Half. He seems to get the job done um, in the most important moment. moment. So that's, that's obviously crucial to the team. But you know that they're going to try to set the tempo with Rashad White and Leonard Fournette. And Rashad White, again, first career game, first career rushing attempts. We didn't see the full-blown Rashad White until two or three months into the season, I think it was really yeah. that Germany game that kind of set Rashad White on his way for the guy that, you know, he's that he is now. And he just looks it's so funny thinking about that Dallas game now, just the way that he ran um, the the way that he kind of like slowed down before making his next move or, or hitting the line of scrimmage. Now he's like shot out of a cannon when he gets yeah. that ball. He's able to make decisions. He's quick with the vision and just gets to the hole ex- like so much quicker. And obviously that comes with reps and game experience and finding your footing in the NFL. But I think that's important, especially for the Bucks with attacking the Cowboys who this is a guy that they didn't necessarily have to game plan for last time. And and to your point about Kate Otten. Maybe finally he gets going in the red zone. You know, he's been that red zone target at times, the game winning touchdown, the touchdown to set up, set up the game winning touchdown. KDOT, I'm not ready to anoint him as the official red zone tight end for the bucks, because I still think uh, there's a lot of screws that need to be tightened in in that area. Really just in the passing game in the red zone in general, because when Russell Gage is your top red zone guy, I'm not trying to knock Russell Gage, but, this is an area where, when you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, why is, why is Russell Gage your, your ultimate performer in the red zone? But I'm very excited to see Rashad White. I don't want to say Rashad White 2.0, but Rashad White's rematch against the Cowboys, which, in a sense, feels like his first game against the Cowboys because he was so underutilized in that game, and some would argue was still underutilized to this point in the season.
0: Yeah, and uh, shout out Rashad White. It's his birthday today, right?
1: Yes! Happy birthday to (laughs) Rashad White. He is, I don't know how many years old, but he's much younger. So, happy birthday to Rashad White. Hope uh, he's enjoying it. It was also Nick Leverett's birthday, I believe, yesterday or the day before. So, happy belated birthday to Nick Leverett as well. He will be uh, starting that game. (laughs) Push Jimmy like my comment. Uh, the touchdown that set up the game winning touchdown. Hey, it's yeah. true. You know, you, you gotta you had to score twice against the Saints, and and he was able to uh do that. We got we got a uh comment from Big Sack. Appreciate that comment. Uh Diggs plays too aggressive, pump fake, and make his ass pay. So, and Cali Bucks also says that Trevon Diggs. Did I say Stefan at first? That's his brother who was wide receiver for the Bills. Uh Trevon Diggs, the second year corner for the Cowboys. Cali Bucks says that. Diggs is overrated. So my initial thought, as Les puts up the birthday cake for Rashad White, my initial thought was that the bucks are really going to be able to take advantage of I would say Mike Evans against Diggs, but it can kind of be either or, you know, Godwin, Julio, whoever. Uh, but then after talking to Rick Zoice, he said that. Dix is much, much more controlled this year where he's he's still getting burnt from time to time, but he's not completely going all or nothing like he did last season. I think that's yeah. why his interception numbers have obviously come down. When you have 11, 12 interceptions like he did, teams are obviously going to make note of that and try to make sure that they stay away from him. So I don't look at the dip in his numbers as poor play. I just think of, hey, when you, when you reach those heights in that limit, teams are going to game plan against you. And that's a compliment to him. So initially I thought the Bucs were really going to be able to take advantage of that. But then, you know, after listening to Rick and, and just reading some other things, I don't know exactly how much the Bucs will be able to hit the deep balls specifically just against Diggs. but Mike Evans always hopes for one-on-one coverage. And hopefully that's the case for Mike Evans.
0: Yeah. And You mentioned Diggs, his interception total going down this year. He only has three interceptions, but he sacrificed some of his interceptions last year for better coverage this year. He's become a better coverage corner. That was a big knock on him last season was he was going for the ball. And if he didn't get the ball, he gave up the touchdown. So we probably won't see a lot of deep chances as you point out. And even if they throw it deep, you have Trayvon Diggs. I mean, his brother, Stefan Diggs, he's a pretty good receiver. And yes, Trayvon Diggs. (laughs) He's made his mark as a cornerback with great ball skills, so I don't necessarily think it'll be Mike Evans. I see a lot more Chris Godwin, and I'd like to bring up Chris Godwin because we did not really see him much in week one. He played 31% of the offensive snaps, and in the second half of this season, Godwin's really come around, and he's looked more dynamic, electric, and has been a bigger part of the game plan.
1: Yeah, he really has. I want to talk a little bit more about Chris Godwin in, in a second. But uh, just for the viewers, this isn't really behind the scenes things. But typically, when the Bucks play on Sunday, Wednesday and Thursday is when we get a lot of the, um, you know, interviews, press conferences with the with the coaches, Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich, one of the co-defensive coordinators, depending on the week, and, and then Tom Brady. This week, with everything pushed back a day. Today, Thursday, was kind of like the typical Wednesday. And tomorrow's Friday will be like the typical Thursday. But yesterday's uh, yesterday's event, I guess we should say, um, we got to speak to Byron Leftwich. We spoke to co-defensive coordinator Larry Foote and then Mike Evans and Levante David as well, which was nice. Usually we get them in the locker room, but sometimes it's nice to have them um, at the podium. So Mike actually spoke about going up against – the Cowboys defensive backs And what he's seen from them He gave a lot of respect to them And then in a separate video Which I'll play right after Mike spoke about Just the overall outlook Of the Cowboys defense So uh, let's hear from Fan favorite and team captain Mike Evans
0: I mean they're down at corner They got two guys injured um, There were some solid players the, the, the backup is solid We're watching more film on him uh, 26 um, He's made some plays But um, you know when we're healthy when It doesn't matter who the DBs are so hopefully, hopefully we get a lot of cover one. Uh, you know, I love that. So,
1: that car- and, and Diggs is a
0: really good corner as well. So, you know, he's matched me 2021. And last, the uh, first game of the season, he was on me a little bit, but not the whole game.
1: That Carolina game was... Mike Evans loves his cover one. He's asked for it multiple times, like this season, the year before. He's always asking for it. Um, this is the other comment that Mike had to say about the Cowboys defense.
0: Well, they're they're a team that's, that's simple. You know, they're they're a good team, but they're simple. They don't run anything really exotic. Or defensively, and offensively, you know, they're, they're just a really talented team, and you know, they just want to play straight up and see if you could beat them. So we got to come with our best.
1: Some- Mike is usually money. The- and if you have money and you want to spend it and manage it wisely, you should be using a, a Muni Financial. Uh, Peter Report Trust the Muni Financial with our investments and retirement funds, and you should trust them too. When you're managing your family's wealth, go to Muni Financial because it's simply more than just allocating your assets. Call 1-800-868-6864 and talk to David or Mark. They're awesome people over there because they'll tell you about all the different kinds of services that they have. There's legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and much more. So once again, call 1-800-868-6864 and get started with the Muni Financial today. All right, we talked about Mike Evans. Adam, you brought up Chris Godwin. So now we are going to talk about Chris Godwin. And I think you could argue that the availability and the health of Chris Godwin could be the biggest difference for the Bucs going into this game. We all have to remember, you know, That first game, it was Chris Godwin's return from the ACL injury. He, by no means, I mean, we didn't even know if he was going to play in the game. It was, he was the original Ryan Jensen. Is he going to play? Is he going to be ready? We all really did not know. We even asked Chris Godwin, and he didn't know at the time if he was going to play. He ultimately was able to go. They threw the first pass to him. He took it for about 10, 15. It was for a first down, so it was at least 10 yards um, up the field. Unfortunately, he ended up getting injured, missed the rest of that game, missed a couple of games, obviously week two. He, he wasn't around for that one, but then he was able to get healthy. And I don't even know if he's at a hundred percent of his capabilities, even to this point. Yeah, but he made a hundred receptions and went over a thousand yards and came close to tying and then breaking the bucks, uh, single season reception record. Now, some of that manufacturer touches, but in my opinion, I think Chris Godwin is the biggest difference between the matchups in week one and the matchups that we're going to see uh, in the super wildcard round on Monday.
0: Yeah, for sure. I agree with that point. And just seeing Godwin come along this season, I know he's spoken about it. Other players have spoken about it. It's It's been awesome to see him like regain his form. Next season, I definitely see even a bigger breakout, which is hard to imagine. This is a guy that Coming back from an ACL, he has over 100 catches. Guys usually don't do that. It usually They usually have a slow season and before really coming back into form. But the Bucs have really trusted him a lot with a lot of screen passes, passes up the middle, and he's responded really well. So it'll be definitely interesting to see him add another element, another layer to the Bucks' offense in this game.
1: Yeah, um, Adrian, I've said this before, Adrian Peterson has kind of ruined the... Yeah. the ACL comebacks for players because what he did was like incredible the year that it came back from an ACL injury. And it's presented this false reality that, Oh, you tore your ACL or another significant injury. Bam. You could just get surgery and you'll be good to go next season. No 2000 problem
0: yards. Right. That was the season yeah, right after. It, yeah. It,
1: it was, it was incredible. It really was insane. The thing is, There's a saying, it's not really a saying, but there's always the exception to the rule. And I think as we've learned throughout time, throughout players coming back from injury, is Adrian Peterson was the exception to the rule. But unfortunately, people forget that, fans forget that, and I understand. So the burden falls on said player coming back from injury, whether it was O.J. Howard a couple of seasons ago coming from a torn Achilles To Chris Godwin this year. And Shaq Barrett unfortunately is going to have to deal with the same issue. When he comes back from his torn Achilles injury. And so I think the expectations for Chris Godwin were probably too high to begin with. Just because you think of like what he. What he's done before and what he can be. Callie Bucks with the uh, commenting on Mike Evans shirt. Pennies to millions. Mike's really that guy. I was going to
0: make that point. That was a nice segue to a Muni financial pennies to millions. They yes. That shirt.
1: I actually didn't even like really think about that. Um, but yeah, I just, what he's been able to do, I, I think has just been awesome. And to your point, I think he's even going to be better next year. I, I think he is the, I've always said, I'm curious what you think. I've said in, in seasons past for the Bucks, even going back to Jameis, but especially the three seasons that Tom Brady's been quarterback. Chris Godwin is the locomotive of the Bucs offense. You can hit him over the middle. You can hit him deep. You can hit him for a short pass, and he'll break tackles and go up field. He You get him on third down. You can get him whenever. He is the locomotive of the Bucs offense because if you want to double Mike Evans, fine. Chris Godwin is going to annihilate you. You want to go one-on-one? Fine. Then Mike Evans is just going to, to completely dominate you. So the healthier that Chris Godwin gets – the more effective this whole team uh, is going to be. And you know what? We've said that Tom Brady, maybe he's saving a little bit in the tank for the playoffs. Maybe that's the case with Chris Godwin as well.
0: Yeah. And I think a big reason why the Panthers, why against the Panthers, the Bucs were able to put up 30 points. We mentioned Mike Evans having three touchdowns. He had a great game. Don't get me wrong. But Chris Godwin, he had over a hundred yards in that game as well. So defenses have to account for not just Mike Evans, but Chris Godwin. And if you pay too much attention to one or the other, one of them is going to have a great game, and we saw that.
1: I think that's really going to be the case. Emily, thank you for the the comment. Emily, always up in the chat, so uh, appreciate you. Appreciate all of our fans. She says, hi, everyone. Season starts Monday. Let's wake the F up and play some damn football and start tossing that Lombardi trophy boat to boat. Yeah, that was an iconic moment. That was yeah. um, one of the most fun things to do uh, with covering this team. It was truly um, a very awesome moment. There was another awesome moment, just kind of getting back to uh, talking about the Bucks at the, at the facility, both uh, yesterday and today. Um, I know a lot of the pewter people, um, who watched this show, have been watching it for a long time, even before we were a – before we even were on YouTube when we were just a podcast, and obviously people familiar with pewterreport.com know the late, great pewter reporter, Mark Cook, who uh, not only was – I mean, he was a great friend, but he was specifically to me was an awesome mentor, um, loved by everybody, whether you're a Bucks fan or in the Bucs media. Uh, Mark has meant so much to – So many people, and he sorely missed. He um, passed away right before the 2021 season. So his last game covering the Bucs and being in attendance seeing the Bucs was when they won the Super Bowl in 2020. Um, I preface all of that because every year at the end of the season, the Bucs media, Tampa media, we vote on uh, an award given to a Bucs player. It's called the Good Guy Award. And it's essentially a player that's been most accommodating for the media that, you know, talks after wins and losses, able to, able to speak a lot. Um, or talk a lot to the media and, uh, you know, provides pretty good answers. So every year we give a player, the good guy award. I know Cam Brate won one year. I think JPP won one year. Uh, so this year, this season, we gave it to Tristan Wirfs, all around. Nice guy. Um, it was presented by, Greg Allman, who is the Pro Football Writers Association president for the Tampa chapter. But the cool thing on top of that this year is that the Good Guy Award, and there's like a little plaque trophy that we give to the players. I know I'm kind of rambling on here, but I'm trying to give detail for everybody in context. Uh, The award, the name has been changed this year, and this was Greg Allman's idea. So really appreciate Greg coming up with this. And obviously everybody unanimously was was great with this and signed on for it is it is now the um the mark cook memorial good guy award so it has been changed to the mark cook memorial good guy award uh it's a great way to honor mark uh a super special moment and very cool so uh we have the video of greg presenting the award to trista wirfs and kind of talking about the background of the the award and and Mark's history uh, co- covering the Bucks, So I uh, just wanted to play this video real quick. I know a lot of us, including myself, love Mark Cook and miss him a lot. So I uh, just wanted to play this video for everybody. I'm going to take over this here. You guys um... – we're back in the locker room this year, and this is an awesome thing to be back doing player interviews in person. We do, uh, the PFWA does a good guy award every year for the player who's most gracious and accommodating in terms of interviews and all like that. Um, it's always just been the good guy award. This year, starting this year and moving forward, we're going to start calling this the Mark Cook Memorial Good Guy Award. Um, Mark obviously got here with Peter Report. Um, we lost him right before your rookie year. Uh, when you think about good guys, you think about Mark Cook. So, um, I'm thrilled to be able to get him to you as the winner of this year's Good guy. Thanks so much for being. It, it, it's talking after wins, talking after losses. Yeah. Always just being really really you We really. appreciate
0: that. Thank you very much. Thank uh,
1: you. Congrats, Tristan. Thank Christmas. you. Yeah. So just a fun little moment right there. A cool moment that uh, I thought the pewter people would enjoy, as Emily says. Uh, Mark Cook was definitely a distinguished gentleman. Forever remembered. Uh, appreciate you saying that, Emily. So that was a really cool moment adam is there any other uh, things that have changed for tampa bay specifically that you want to get into or is there any other topic that you think is important to address for this upcoming game
0: uh yeah so an interesting tidbit that i found when going over like week one looking through the box score seeing which players stepped up for the bucks leonard fournette he had an awesome game in week one his best game of the season Yeah, 21 carries, 127 yards, which is 6 yards per carry. Now, he averaged 3.5 yards per carry on the season. And that total in the first game accounted for 19% of his rushing yards the whole season came in that first game. (laughs) So, will we see Leonard Fournette be as explosive, as dynamic? We mentioned Rashad White earlier and just what he brings to the offense. It'll more than likely be like a split workload between the two. And so... That, that was something that I pulled. And a big change for the Bucks offense this year is not having the consistent running game week in and week out.
1: The Bucs have had arguably their worst running season in, uh, in a long time. I mean, there's been times where it really hasn't been effective, but Tampa Bay went into this season planning on limiting the amount of times Tom Brady would have to throw the ball, and the best way to combat that would be with a proper running game, and it's so interesting, Adam, because whether it's Leonard Fournette, whether it's Rashad White, uh, but you know Fournette's been here for a little for a little while. This whole box game in a higher regard, and it's just been flat out terrible. I mean, one of the worst in the league this season, and they're they're bad all over the place. You know, they're bad on first down and they run it way too much on first down. They can't convert on third and shorts and the fourth and shorts. I don't. And so it is quite the anomaly. We talked about Adrian Peterson ruining it for everybody else with his ACL injury. It was a, it was fool's gold seeing the Bucks run so well against Dallas and not be able to replicate it for the rest of the season. One of the positives is again, you know, Nick Leverett did not play in that game. And so, even as well as the Bucs ran it against the Cowboys, maybe having Leverett in that game could help them run it a little bit more efficiently. Because I think what Tampa Bay did really well in week 18, which I understand they had a lot of backups in, they, they didn't play most of their guys, but they had some success actually legitimately running the ball to the outside with pitches, with sweeps, with end-arounds. And I think that's a great thing that the Bucks did in week one. They really got creative. That's where we saw the first end-around with Julio Jones and when we didn't really see that coming. And I think it's important. We talked about Diggs a lot today. I think in that game, the Bucs went out of their way to target Trevon Diggs in the run game. Forcing the corner to make a tackle, and if he's not going to make that tackle, Leonard Fournette's going to run over you. I know we've criticized Leonard a lot this year, but Leonard is great. When he does get to the second level, and I understand that's not every single time, Leonard is a Mack truck going into defensive backs, corner safeties, all of those guys. So if they can try to take advantage of that role and maybe the Week 18 game help them realize something or could create a spark of, Hey, we don't have to run it in between the tackles every single time. I like when the bucks get out in space, not just with their skill players. I like when they swing a tackle or, or a guard. I thought Donovan Smith is actually pretty good when he gets out in space. Now he's obviously dealing with a foot injury and that could change a lot of things, but at some point the bucks have to stop being stubborn and get creative, whether it's more play action, whether it's running the ball differently. It's the land, it's potentially the last game of the season. It's winner go home from here on out. You can't be like, okay, we're just gonna execute better on this one. That's not yeah. how it works. If the team stops what you want to do or what you're planning to do, you have to try option B and option C and go all the way down the alphabet or the numbers list, whatever it is. But Brady's going to need help at times with a solid running game. And I know it's been bad all season long, but that doesn't mean you just have to completely give up on it. If you can give up on running on first down. I would be totally fine with that. They're going to need the run game at one point or another.
0: Yeah. And when watching, there's been positive signs in the second half of the season, at least on the first drive of the game, being creative with the game planning. And in the past two weeks against both the the Panthers and the Falcons, the Bucks have done really good on offense. Now, the Falcons game was just a, the first half. and But the Panthers game, just being able to scheme up different things on first down, play action passes, that opens the game up for, as you mentioned, yes. Fournette, for Rashad White. And so the running game needs to be a key component of the offense because in the first game, Brady only threw 27 passes. The rest of the season, he set an NFL record for most passing attempts in a season, he just did. to show you how anemic that the Bucks' running offense has been.
1: Yeah, it, it hasn't, it hasn't really uh, lived up to the hype, but uh, bowling alleys that live up to the hype, of course, is pin chasers. If you haven't gone there yet, there's multiple locations. As you can see on the graphic, East Pasco, Zephyr Hills, Midtown and veterans. It's a great night out with friends and family. They have one pretty close to the Advent Hill training center where the Bucks have their practices The food is very underrated. They have deals every single night, whether it's all-you-can-eat pizza, all-you-can-bowl, or dollar beer. So go to pinchasers.net and find out what the best deal is for you specifically and the party you're going with. Speaking of parties, if you want to book a birthday party for your kid, Pinchasers is a great spot to do so because they obviously have the bowling, but they also have an arcade area as well, so the kids can do some bowling. They can play some video games too they have a, a bar for the adults as well um, and with a variety of different drinks and uh, and liquor and, and products like that brunch on the weekends obviously is an awesome deal and if you want to book an outing for your office or whoever it may be uh, pinchasers is a great spot for that as well so again go to pinchasers.net see what deal they have in store for you and have a grand old time that's pinchasers Go to pinchasers.net. We have another super chat, which I'm going to get to right now. It was from Ant. Thank you, Ant. I imagine that's short for Anthony, but either way, thank you, Ant, for the 999 super chat. He says, I heard you guys talking yesterday about why Carlton Davis doesn't travel more. To me, it's because of Jamel Dean's ascension. He might be the best cornerback on this team. PFF loves him. What you guys think. I appreciate the question. I I, I think it's, it's an interesting one for sure, because I think the first half of the year, Jamel Dean really upped his play. He looked yeah. like a guy that's in a contract year and looking for that second contract. I think Jamel Dean was fantastic in that aspect. Then his play started to dip a little bit, but as we found out, he's missed some games with a toe injury, and I would imagine... That um, had to have some type of uh, effect on him. Now, in the past for the Bucs, they've kind of put the... If they're going against a real speedy receiver, like a Tyreek Hill, they'll put Jamel Dean on him. Because Jamel Dean is the quicker corner of the two. Now, we have to remember, most Bucs fans, the first thing that pops into their head is the 2020 season when they won the Super Bowl. And they played the Chiefs twice, obviously. That first game, Tyreek Hill in the regular season absolutely torched the Buccaneers. But we have to remember, Jamel Dean did not play in that game. Then the uh, second go around, the Super Bowl, the Bucs played a lot more cover, two, And they obviously did not shadow Carlton Davis. C.D. Lamb is a guy I, I don't necessarily love the matchup for Carlton, but at the same time, you know, Jamar Chase is a is a fast receiver, and obviously, I think he's smaller than than CD Lamb. I don't know their heights, but just from the eye test, yeah. CD Lamb is is much taller than him. So, yeah, for this game, and I do agree with you, and you can't argue with this. You can't argue with the success that the Bucs had against CD Lamb the first time around. Adam, as you pointed out, two receptions for what was it, twenty eight yards.
0: 29 yards and 11 targets.
1: 11 targets, and he only caught the ball two times. So I don't think you can really argue with how they game-planned for that. With that said, second go-around, I don't think the Cowboys are just going to run the same type of plays and try to get them open the same type of way. You could see things switch around there. I think push come to shove it, it depends specifically on the matchup. I think for this game, you're not going to see Carlton bracket uh, CD Lamb all over the field. But I do think, say the Bucs win and they end up playing the Eagles in the second round, I could see Carlton against A.J. Brown for the entirety of the game. I think it's very matchup specific, but I don't believe that Todd Bowles will shy away from doing shadow coverage if he feels that it is the the best option for Tampa Bay.
0: Question for you. Who do you think yeah. is the better corner between the two? Do you think it's Davis or Dean? For me, that's really close. I think they're like a 1A, 1B. Like again, it, it depends on the matchup, but they're both really solid corners.
1: Yeah, they really are. I would still go with Carlton. I think Carlton has a better track record of the one-on-one against the the best opponents. And I don't know. I take a lot of I take a uh a lot of stock in that, that weighs heavily for me specifically. Uh, But Jamel Dean, I think he's probably a better tackler than Carlton Davis.
0: Yeah. He's more physical.
1: He's uh, Carlton's pretty physical, but I think Jamel gets the job done better, whether it's making the open field tackle or if they're playing zone and, you know, it's a three yard out route for the receiver Jamel Dean gets a better push on the ball, and he's obviously faster. So I'm still going it, but I agree with you. It's a very, very close, very, very close battle between the two of them.
0: Yeah, and the uh, the Bucs also need to account for uh, T.Y. Hilton, who is a late-season addition on the Cowboys roster is like, another receiver that they have to cover.
1: Yeah, Rick Soyce was talking about him yesterday, and he's like, yeah, it's crazy to think, but, you know, he's only been on the team for three weeks hasn't even played with them, but he's a really efficient route runner. And what Rick was saying, and again, I'd recommend to everybody to go back and watch yesterday's episode. If you really want to go in depth about the Cowboys, you know, they have CD lamb. And then after that, they have Noah Brown. They just, they have receivers who are obviously talented. You have to be talented to get to the NFL, but sort of like the bucks in the past, if it's not Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, Their other receivers aren't necessarily the best route runners, and they have issues creating separation and not winning their one-on-one battles, which obviously would play into the hands of the Bucs. But you throw in T.Y. Hilton, who maybe has lost a step or two, but if he can run those routes better than the other two guys, it might be a better situation to get him in the game. And I think if you look at the Cowboys' game the previous week where they were playing to win because they still want to win the division Dak threw it to his receiver towards the sideline. It was incomplete. Then the next time the cornerback was right there the throw was to the inside but the cornerback was right there and took it to the house for pick six. I think some of that had to do with the overall route running of, uh, of the receiver on that play because I don't believe that he was looking for C.D. Lamb. So it's definitely something to take into account if T. Y. Hilton is uh, going to get into this game, and uh, obviously this game is on Monday. We're still very excited for it. That gives you the whole weekend to watch football. You could also watch some football and gamble over at the uh, Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Tampa. Just the way you like it. Me and my wife decided we'll have some fun. I was playing a two cent machine, six bets in, I hit a jackpot. One hundred seventeen thousand dollars. Hi, my name is Tara, and I won over five hundred thousand dollars playing slot. I do this full time, and I would not change it for the world.
0: I'm Gloria. I won over two million dollars at Seminole Hard Rock Casino. I went and bought a bunch of jewelry.
1: <laughs> my name is Mike, and I won over three hundred fifty thousand dollars. I love playing back rock because it is different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, getting that eight can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even a blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won 215000 on Blazing Sevens. Putting my last $4 on a table, next thing you know, bam, 215000 jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life.
0: You only live once. Have fun with it. Right.
1: Anybody can win. It's some no Hard Rock in Tampa. when you can win big over the Seminole hard rock casino in tampa florida i was looking for the injury report uh usually someone tweets it out like when it comes out but we got the email at 402 so two minutes into the show i'm just checking my email now because we've been doing the peter report podcast the injury report is out let's get into it carlton davis he fully participated with the shoulder injury, so obviously that's good. The box a been lengthy, so I'm going to try to speed through it a little bit. Mike Edwards, hip, full participation. Mike Evans, illness, full participation. He'll be fine. Don't worry. Robert Haynesy, hamstring, limited participation, but good that he was out there. Julio Jones, knee, fully participated. Nick Leverett, dealing with the knee and a shoulder, was limited in participation. John Mulchin, ankle, he's their, uh, one of their backup offensive linemen, was limited. Sean Murphy Bunting, shoulder, fully participated. Carl Nassib, we haven't seen him in a couple weeks. Uh, Still recovering from that pec injury. He fully participated. Keanu Neal hip fully participated. Kyle Rudolph did not participate. He is dealing with a knee injury. Logan Ryan was limited with the knee injury. Donovan Smith fully participated with a foot injury. And Vita Vea with that calf injury, as we talked about earlier, was limited in his participation. For the Cowboys, a lot smaller of a list. Uh, their si- their center, Tyler Beaticic. I don't know how to fully say that. Um, he has an ankle injury. He fully participated to Marcus Lawrence. Their defensive end has a foot injury. He's He was limited. Tyron Smith, offensive tackle, who we talked about earlier, with a knee injury, is limited or was limited. And their linebacker, Leighton Vander Esch, a neck injury, he fully participated. So overall, it looks like both teams are going to be as healthy as they can possibly be, with the exception of anyone with a with a season-ending injury. Um, I think a couple people to monitor. Robert Hainsey, obviously with that hamstring. Vita, I think, is going to play. I mean, he was out there today. I know he was limited, but I don't really see anybody that's going to be a game-time decision for uh, for the Bucks and neither do I for the Cowboys either. So it's good to have both teams at full strength, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's something interesting is as the season's gone along, the Bucks have had so many injuries. And perhaps we don't put enough stock into that. Like they've been decimated in the secondary offensive line, defensive line. And so this is the healthiest the Bucks have been talking about a big change since uh as Byron Leftwich said yesterday, since OTAs and for the Cowboys they're coming back. Their offensive line's getting healthier. So it's really going to be two teams near as near as to 100% as you can be at this point in the season.
1: Yeah, I really like seeing that. You know, like it, it, it's, it's, listen, I mean, if you're a fan of the Bucs and you want the Bucs to win, obviously, I don't think you would hate if like CD Lamb didn't play. But, you know, if you're just watching these two teams, you want to see the best of the best. You want to see Carlton Davis against CD Lamb. You want to see, Trayvon Diggs against Mike Evans you know that that makes for a much more fun you know matchup to go and watch and it also makes it a lot better to bet with underdog fantasy when you're picking uh the stats for your favorite or least favorite players underdog fantasy is the easiest way to get some action on the NFL you'd also do it with Oh, boy, the UFC, golf, uh, baseball season when that comes back, and the NBA and the NHL, which are going on at the moment. Um, you can do their pick'em game and their rivals game as well. You just pick an over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. You pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code Pewter and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. So once again, uh, use the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and double your first deposit over at Underdog Fantasy. Uh, I think we got into a lot of topics about how team change. We talked about the... The injuries or the lack thereof, the the injury report. So a lot of important information that we got to. This is technically our last podcast of the week because the Bucs play on Monday. But don't you worry, we'll be back on Monday, not just with the regular Peter Report podcast. We won't have one at four o'clock, but that's because we'll have the Peter Tailgate show going on a little bit later to talk everything about. This matchup between the Bucks and the Cowboys. It's the Celsius Peter Report Tailgate Show, presented by Age Rejuvenation, and it will be live from the Walk-Ons over in Midtown. So if you're going game and you want to get a quick to eat some drinks, head out to Raymond James Stadium. Walk-Ons is a great spot uh, to go before that game. Then we'll have the Peter Game Day Show that will go on right as kickoff gets going at 8:15. We'll give our live um, insight, analysis, and reactions to everything that's going on in the Bucks 1st Cowboys game. The uh, tailgate show will start at 6 o'clock, and then the game day show starts right at kickoff at 8.15 when you're watching Monday Night Football. But should be a really exciting game. Obviously, uh, two very captivating teams for obvious reasons. Tom Brady with the Bucks, and people either love or hate the Dallas Cowboys. So, obviously, brings... A lot of attention to that matchup. And we're very much looking forward to covering it. Uh, one last thing as well. We would really appreciate it if you guys could subscribe to our YouTube channel, Peter Report TV. And, of course, our uh, other social media, at Peter Report. We're very, getting very, very close to 10,000 subscribers. And we would uh, really love to hit that goal by the end of the buck season. Which, hopefully, is not at the end of Monday night. But... Uh, if you could spread the word, do us a favor, just subscribe, hit that like button. It's absolutely free, just lets you know when we go live with our podcast or various videos that we put up on YouTube. Uh, we had a couple podcast clips getting ready to go. We put one up earlier and uh, would absolutely love if you guys could do that for us because we love the pewter people and uh, we want as many people to know about the latest news with the Bucks and information about the Bucks. Um, as possible. But that's going to do it for us on this show. For Adam, uh, Matt saying thanks everybody for watching. We will see you on Monday for another edition of the Butter Report podcast. Have a great weekend. Out.